portion of scripture that we read together this morning, I indicated earlier, familiar to us, even the children, sitting in Sunday school in the children's meeting, some of the older people too, recall those stories being told. You've heard them preached on before. Two separate incidents, and there are many lessons that we can learn from them. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is covered in every gospel. The second one of the disciples in the storm are covered in three gospels. And so there is an importance to us in the recording of them in Scripture. But I want this morning to look at them together because I do believe there is a connection There is something that we can learn. And so, to try and understand when we break into a chapter, try and understand what has happened, let's try and picture the scene. A vast number of people had followed Christ. Just before that, the disciples had come to him. They had told the Lord all that they had been doing, all that they had been involved in. And the Lord said to them, look, just come apart. And rest a while, and they took a boat to go across the sea. But the people saw it. They saw where they were going. They followed the Lord Jesus and the disciples. And when they came to that place, they were there for to hear the Savior. They wanted to hear him speak. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And even though the day was far spent, and even though it was a desert place with no food, yet the people sat on. And oh, that we would learn the lesson, even in that simple fact, that God would give to each one of us a desire to sit at the Savior's feet and to learn from him. Not to be restricted by time, but to sit and to listen, and to learn. You know, the time came here, as we look at verse 35, if you look at that verse, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. You know, they came to the Lord, and in verse 36, we hear the request that they made of the Savior. Send them away. Tell them to go home. Send them back to their places, of course. They were thinking that the people had traveled a long distance. They had no food or sustenance with them. By the time they made that homeward journey, it would probably be dark. But that was their request to the Savior. Send them away. But we look at verse 37. We see the Savior's response. He said, give ye them to eat. One hand, the disciples send the people away. The Lord said to them, give these people something to eat. And he gave the instruction to go and find what food there was, what loaves there were among the people. Word came back, there's a young lad here, 
five barley loaves and two small fishes. And if you look at John 6 in that narrative there that is given, you don't need to turn to it, but do it in your own private study. One of the disciples, Andrew, said, even as he saw that, what are these among so many? But the Lord knew what he was going to do. There are five things that I want to draw to your attention this morning about the Savior. Look at verse 39. He commanded them to feed the people. These people in a desert place, no food or nourishment, These people, the day was well gone. The sun was probably already starting to set in the sky. The opportunity to speak to them was passing. But yet the Lord commanded the disciples to get them to sit down in companies by fifties, one hundreds. And he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples. And he commanded them to bring it to the people. Surely today is not the command of the word of God comes to us as God's people. To feed the people. To feed those around us with the bread of life. And to bring to them the good news and the message of the gospel. Could I ask you today in the stillness and quietness of your own heart. Have you witnessed for the Savior this week? Have you spoken a word for the Lord? We all come in contact every week in our daily lives with people who'll never darken a church doorway. They'll never come in under the sound of the preaching of the word of God. But the command is to us. To feed the people. To bring the bread of life to them. And to speak a word to them. Why did Christ not send the people away? Verse 34. That was the thing. If we look at it. Look at verse 34. Because when Jesus saw the people. He was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Those words are the same words that are used in Matthew 9, 36. Moved with compassion to have the bowels yearn out from the inmost being. I wonder today as we meet in God's house, do we have that compassion that the Savior had? Or is our attitude, send them away? Do we look on men as the Savior did? Do we love men as the Savior did? Do we see them scattered abroad, lost in sin, going out into a Christless eternity. I remember many years singing that hymn. I haven't heard it sung for a while. 
100,000 souls a day are passing one by one away to your Christless guilt and gloom. So few there are who seem to care. So few there are who pray. Are we following Christ's command today to feed the people? Look at verse 45 of the words that we read this morning. Not only do we find that he commanded them, but verse 45 says these words, and straightway he constrained his disciples. Have you ever thought of this? That the disciples, originally having wanting to, wanted to send the people away, now that they've been fed, that the Lord would engage them in that activity, in that exercise. But instead of the disciples sending the people away, the Lord sent the disciples away. Do you know that word that is used there has a strong meaning? It means compelled. It was needful to. And out of necessity, he sent them away. Why did the Lord send them away? Well, maybe you say it was because he wanted to be alone. He went up into the mountain. He was going to pray to his father. He wanted to be alone. I believe the Lord wanted to teach the disciples something. You see, outwardly, in the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, they had obeyed the Lord. They had fed the people. They had witnessed the miracle of the bread feeding over 5,000 people. And remember, the scriptures say 5,000 men. There were women and children there as well. They had seen the 12 baskets over that had been gathered. Yet they had not really taken in what the Lord had done. Look at verse 51 and 52 with me. And he went on to unto them into the ship. And the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. When Christ entered into the boat, my, they were amazed at them in themselves at Christ, had never, as if he had never done the like of this before. But you know, Christ multiplying the bread was as great an instance of his power as his walking upon the water. That word considered there in that verse means mentally taking it in. To put together in their own mind the miracle of his power as the son of God. You see, they hadn't really taken in what the Lord had done, what they had witnessed, what they had seen. So much so that Again, you look at it later, chapter 8, verse 14 to 21, the Lord feeds another miracle with, food, with bread. And he refers back to this portion 
of Scripture. The Lord knew what was in their hearts. And indeed, he had to teach them. That word hardened means literally stupefied or blinded. They hadn't taken in. They hadn't considered. It hadn't really sunk into them what the Lord had done. And you know, the Lord knew their hearts. He wanted them to be taught of him. And so he sent them across the lake. There's the link in the two miracles, in the two stories. He sent them across the lake. He knew what would happen. The wind, the waves that would come, the storm. That to the disciples things would seemingly be out of control. You know, my dear friend, this morning, in our lives, in our homes, in the family, in the situation, even in our own province, are we content to know that the Lord is in control of all things? In his constraining to send the disciples across the lake, he knew what was before them. He knew what would befall them. And yet he was in control of all things. And we can rest in the Lord. No matter what the path is that he would have us trod. And sometimes the direction that the Lord would have us to go would not have been our own choice. The road that we travel would not be one that we would have chosen ourselves. And the journey that we're now on wouldn't have been one that we under, have undertaken ourselves. But the Lord knows best. And we're glad that we can leave everything in his care, in his keeping. You see, there is always an afterward with God which yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. He commanded them. He constrained them. Look at verse 48. And he saw them. I have entitled it this way. He considered them. You see, the sea, when they left the shore, had been calm. A gentle breeze may have been blowing. The sail was hoisted to take the wind and to bring them over to the other side. But now out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, the wind had strengthened. That sail had to be lowered. And with human effort in rowing, they had to go against the wind and the waves. In John's account, he says it was the fourth watch. That would have been around 3 a.m. in the morning. They had rowed 25 to 30 furlongs, three miles, to you and me. And so after almost perhaps about nine hours of rowing, they had only gone a short distance. The Sea of Galilee is 
at its widest six miles. They had traveled three. And with all their effort, with all they were seeking to do, they weren't making any headway. What thoughts, I wonder, started to go through the minds of the disciples? Lord, it was you who sent us away. It was you who told us to get into the boat. It was you who left us on our own. And now we're out here in the sea. And we're in trouble. We're doing our best to obey you, to get across to the other side, to Bethsaida, where you told us to go. And you know, a fear begins to well up within their hearts. How many times we face difficulties, situations in the pathway of life which cause us to fear. We feel that we're alone. Problems that seem so big that they can never be solved. But look what the Holy Ghost tells us in verse 48. See what the record here is. He saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. Four small words that make such a difference. And he saw them. That seeing isn't just a passing glance and then out of sight, out of mind, as it were. But rather it implies being aware of, taking heed of, a consideration of the need. He knew their problems. He knew their difficulties, doubts and fears in the darkening shadows of the night. May I, brother, sister, young person today, learn that lesson. Learn it well. Whether in the midst of the sea or down in the valley or whatever shadow falls across your path, the Lord sees and the Lord knows. Take courage. You're not alone. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. There's something else we see in this chapter together. Look again at verse 48. Not only did he see them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them about the fourth watch, fourth watch of the night. He cometh unto them. He came to them. Not only did the Lord consider, not only did he see them, but he came to them. You know, the Lord there was on the mountain. The disciples were in the midst of the lake. The Lord Jesus Christ was alone. The disciples were toiling in the rowing, 
in their effort to make land to go to Bethsaida under the instruction that the Lord had given to them. Do you know the Lord could have calmed the sea from where he sat on the mountain. He could have said to the waters be still, to the wind to cease blowing. But we find these lovely words that in the midst of that storm the Lord came to them. He doesn't only see us but he comes to us in our hour of need. Oh, to have the presence of the Savior with us day by day, no matter what the circumstance, the problem, the situation or dilemma that we face. Oh, that we might know and have that assurance that the Lord is with us in the good times, in the bad times, when the sun is shining, when darkness comes, that the Lord is with us. Is not that what David wrote in Psalm 23, that familiar psalm? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. How much we need to get that into our heart and into our mind, that in those times that we do feel alone, and in danger, the Lord comes to us and the Lord ministers to us. But you know something? We find something else there at the end of verse 48. He cometh unto them walking on the sea and would have passed by them. I wonder what the outcome would have been if the Savior had passed by them. What would they have done? But it says when they saw him, the end of verse 49, they cried out. You know, we need surely today in these days to cry out unto the Lord individually in our own personal circumstances we need to cry out to the Lord Lord come present yourself with me speak to my heart come and meet with me in the meeting today we need the Lord we could have services and go through the routine of singing hymns bowing our heads in prayer listening to the word preached and go out again and forgetting what was even said. We need in our meetings for the Lord to come. We need to cry out. We look out over our land today. We need the Lord to come and deliver us. Or the Lord passes by and we miss out on the blessing. We sing that hymn. I must have the Saviour with me. On the onward march of life. Through the tempest. And the sunshine. Through the battle. And the strife. Then my soul. Will fear no ill. Let him lead me where he will. I will go. 
without a murmur, and his footsteps follow still. Have you felt the presence of the Lord with you today? Has he spoken to your own heart? Because you see, that's what we find lastly. Look at verse 50. For they all saw him there in the darkness, coming, walking on the water, upon the waves. He comes to them and they were troubled. And immediately he talked with them. You know, it's good for the Lord to come. But it's better for him to converse with us, to talk with us, to minister to us. You know, we read there in verse 50, that's exactly what he did. He talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He spoke words of comfort to them. Don't be afraid. It's I, the Lord. Don't fear. I'm with you. How good it is to talk to the Lord. But how much better it is when the Lord talks to us. My child, those problems that you have, leave them with me. That decision you need to make. Ask me. Have you talked to him today? Have you heard his voice? Speaking in the quietness of your own heart. Have you listened? You know, there's something here. There's a word of encouragement here in this little verse, in this portion. Because, you see, the disciples were out in the boat in the midst of the storm. The wind had caused the waves to whip up. And perhaps that water was going into the boat and their fear was that it would sink the boat. But the Lord came walking on the water. The things that concerned the disciples, the things that were of a fear to the disciples, those were the very things that the Lord had under his feet. He was in control. And maybe today, you say, James, there's circumstances I'm facing I can't even share with others sitting around me. I don't feel I'm able to talk to anyone about them. Those things that perhaps bring fear to your heart, they're under the Savior's feet. They're in His control. They're in his purpose. They're in his plan. And you know, they're for his glory. Remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus? The events of that day, they were downhearted, discouraged. The Savior drew near, went with them. What was their testimony? What were the words that they spoke? 
did not our hearts burn within us? Listen, while he talked to us by the way. You know the story well of young Samuel in the temple when the Lord called to him. He thought it was Eli. And he went on those occasions and said to Eli, you've called me. Eli said it wasn't me. And then he realized that it was the Lord calling. And these were the words that he said to young Samuel to answer. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. May each one of us be ever willing. May ever, each one of us ever be attentive and ready to listen to God's voice no matter what he has to say to each one of us. I trust that you'll remember these two stories. Remember the Lord commanded them. He constrained them. He considered them. He came to them. And he conversed with them. May God's word be a blessing to all our hearts, even this day. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer, please. Father, we thank thee for your word. We thank thee that it is the living word of God. It liveth and abideth forever. And we pray that you'd write its truths even upon our own hearts today. Might we hide thy word in our own hearts that we might not sin against thee. Thou dost know individual needs this morning. We can stand from the pulpit, look down, see faces and people, but we can only see the outward appearance. But thou lookest down, thou seest, thou knowest the heart, thou knowest the concerns, the burdens, the trials, the tribulations. And Lord, we pray that today, even thy word which has gone forth, Lord, just simply this morning, we pray that you'll take it, that you'll use it, that you will apply it to the hearts of those that have heard. And in the days to come, even this week, may it be an encouragement. Lord, for some down in the valley, speak to them. There are others today, maybe on the mountain top. But Lord, we realize how easily and how quickly those situations can change. And so we pray that today, even thy word will be a word for days to come. And may it be an encouragement even to all our hearts, even throughout this day. Lord, we thank thee for your presence, for help given. We pray that as we separate, that you'd go with us, be with us in our homes this afternoon, bring us again to the house of God this evening, and give help in the proclamation of thy word. We ask these things in the Saviour's name, for his sake. Amen.